and welcome back to Next Steps with me, your host, Natalie Morris. As always, today you'll get to meet a new guest, hear about our life updates, a little bit about our topic for today, and a wrap-up at the very end. Today, I am so excited to introduce you to Katie St. Germain Pate, a fellow clarinetist and senior with me. Hello, everyone. My name is Katie St. Germain Pate. Yes, I'm currently a senior at CSU, and I'm also student teaching along with Natalie. It's been such an awesome experience to finally be out in a school and being able to actually see real life students. Yay, Katie! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm, I'm from Parker, Colorado. That's great. I'm so excited. So if you're from Parker, Colorado, are you teaching in Parker, Colorado right now? I'm actually teaching in Castle Rock, which is about a half hour away from me. So it's really nice to be able to stay at home, spend time with my family, and also get to teach at the same time. Yeah, that's awesome. What do you like to do outside of teaching? Well, I whenever I can, I try to go and work out at the gym. But, you know, sometimes I'm way too exhausted from teaching all day. feels like teaching is the gym sometimes. <laughs> but um, other than that, I like to ride my motorcycle. That's super fun and feels like an activity that's just for me. I don't have to do it for anyone. It's just a way to clear my head and get out and do something fun. That's awesome. I feel like I need a few more activities like that in my life where it's just for me, it is almost an act of self-care because it's doing something you really love and providing you an opportunity to really just overcome some more challenges. Yeah, definitely. Well, thanks so much for being here, Katie. Yeah, I'm happy to be a part of this. It's my first ever podcast, so it's super <laughs> awesome. Yay. <laughs> Okay, so for our life updates, there's a few really cool things I think that we have to share in this segment. And honestly, maybe a few things are a little bit sad, but let's start with some happy things, shall we? Um, I was so excited this past weekend to go to the Colorado Music Educators Conference in Colorado Springs, and that was such, such a good time, honestly. I learned so much. I think I took about 27 pages of notes in my Word document, but you know, um, it's really helpful. And I've already started looking back at them about, you know, ways to incorporate all these things into my student teaching and ways to really personalize my experience and maybe even, you know, help help build up some of my materials during this time. So that's been really cool on my end. But Katie, I've heard that you've had a few really fun experiences lately. Yeah, so um, lately, this past weekend, I um, my little sister came down from school. She goes to University of Northern Colorado, and she's studying, well, she's majoring in chemistry and has a focus in forensics. So she got to come down this weekend. I got to spend some time with her, and that was super awesome. Um, recently, um, in early January, I had my first year anniversary with my boyfriend, which longest relationship I've ever had. So it's kind of weird, but other than that, we went out to a nice dinner and that was super fun. We went to Denver and yeah, it was a nice chance to just kind of go and do that. That sounds really fun. I'm really excited because I have tickets set aside to go see my boyfriend in Texas in the next about three to four weeks. So 
that's going to be a really nice treat, especially after the concerto competition when I've worked really, really hard and I'm ready for a break. Yeah, are you going during spring break? No, I'll be going a little bit beforehand. Um, it's over the long weekend for President's Day. So I'm excited about that. And um, our spring breaks don't line up. So I believe his is one week before mine is. And he might come up to Colorado, but I know that it's going to be a really busy time. And um, it's just challenging this long distance thing, especially over student teaching with all these ups and downs. So yeah. and speaking of ups and downs, um, I had a really disastrous mishap with my reeds, my clarinet reeds. Um, I don't know what I did, but I let them go moldy somehow. Um, it's either too much moisture, which I don't think is the case, or a bacteria was brought into the environment and caused my reeds to go completely. Like they were growing things out of like the butt end of the reed. And that was really, really terrifying for me. Obviously, you know, I'm really, I'm working really hard recently because I'm going to be performing in this concerto competition and reads are a really important aspect of performance. So right now I'm in this panic zone where I'm trying to break in new reads and I'm trying to treat these old reads and see if I can salvage any of it. Um, and I know everyone who listens to this is probably going to be like, oh, don't ever, ever use those reads again. But I've already put them through two like 10 minute soaks in hydrogen peroxide water mixes. And honestly, I'm still a little bit nervous about playing them, but breaking in the new reads is going okay. And even though there's some really big challenges happening right now, I have a feeling that most of your growth as a person comes through these really difficult experiences. Um, so that's something that's been interesting that's happening lately. Yeah. And I think knowing that we're both clarinetists, just finding that, cause that happened to me, I think early last year, which it was easy for me because I could just basically throw everything away, but I can understand why that's super scary and all of that. But at least it didn't happen right before, you know? You know, and that's what I keep telling myself. And that's what some of my, my, you know, support people are telling me is like, you have just over two weeks before the performance and you can break in new reads and you can, you know, fix the problem. It's not like this happened, you know, two days before or something. So yeah, it, it, that is a really encouraging thing that I have the power to fix it. Um, and I really wanted to share this with you and with the podcast, because I feel like this space is not only a space where celebrations can be had, and I know we've had a lot of celebrations here on the podcast in the last seven episodes, but I feel like it should also be a place where we can share life and just share all the things that are happening. And that's definitely been something that's contributing to a lot of stress right now for me. Yeah, you can see that. Something that's been stressing me out is I'm student teaching and also working at the same time. So what happens is I go to school all day and then I drive home because it takes me about a half hour and then I get dressed for work and then I leave and then I don't get home until about 10 or 11 and then I wake up the next day and do it again. So that's kind of tough for me. I have a couple of days off during the week, but um, I'm trying to balance uh, making money, but also keeping myself sane enough to where when I actually start teaching, like I'm mentally there to start, you know. And also work has been stressful on its own, just with a bunch of new people and training them and everything is just kind of stressful right now with everyone's lives. I feel like everything, everyone's just kind of going through it right now. So. 
Yeah, I know that January has been specifically crazy, especially with my student teaching placement, because both the um, middle school and the high school bands played at CMEA this year. And so there was a lot of stress going into those performances. Um, and, you know, I feel that that has impacted my student teaching in many ways, because I don't feel that I've had as much you know, time up in front of the kids as some of my peers have. And I've always kind of chalked that up to, you know, they're at elementary placements like Katie is, or, you know, it's a choir placement. It's completely different from what I'm doing, but I really feel that there needs to be a change now that CMEA has happened and that I'm, I'm ready to take on more responsibility. Um, but on that note, you know, I still have to be careful of how I ask to take on more responsibility and how I can do my best while still really pushing myself to learn. So I'm in this kind of weird stage where I'm starting my fifth week of student teaching and I'm still really wanting more. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, I think it's definitely easier for elementary to take over just because, I mean, for me, I observed my teacher for probably the first two weeks and then um, then I would see her teach a lesson and then I would slowly, since you do the same lesson for like four days, it's like what we would do is she'd teach the lesson and then I'd teach it the other days. So it's kind of a little bit easier to transform, but I'm definitely nervous for my secondary placement just because it's a new lesson every day and you kind of have to figure it out more without overstepping your teacher. Absolutely. And I know that's actually one of the journaling questions that Dr. Johnson, um, our music education professor, and also our seminar leader for this semester, has um, posed to us is once we start our secondary placement, you know, it's going to feel weird stepping back into, or, you know, our second placement of the semester, it's going to feel weird stepping back into that kind of observation mode before, you know, before you take anything over. Um, and how that will work out and play out in your own teaching, which is pretty interesting. Mm -hmm, definitely. But on a lighter note, I'm really excited that upcoming this week, we have the Futures concert, which is tomorrow. So basically the sixth graders and the seventh and eighth graders and the high schoolers all kind of play this big concert together. And it's going to be really exciting and really cool to see it all in action. And then there's the Colorado Springs Middle School Honor Band happening this week. Um, assuming that we don't, you know, get snowed out on Wednesday, <laughs> um, that'll be happening. And I'm excited for that. There's going to be a really, really awesome professor coming down from Boulder. His name's Dr. Dockendorf, and he's conducting the group. So it's going to be great to see him. Yeah, I love him. I've worked with him a lot just in the past, and he's always a great person to have for honor bands, and he gets everyone excited. So that's awesome that you have that opportunity. Yeah, it'll be really great. <laughs> From a different lens instead of like a student and the ensemble, because I know you've had that as well. So just kind of seeing it from the point of view of a teacher. It'll be awesome. Yeah, so much fun. Yeah. For our topic today, I thought it might be really cool to actually dive a little bit deeper into some of these reflection questions that have been posed to us by Dr. Johnson. So Katie and I have selected a few of these questions that are actually located on our syllabus. So it's not like we're doing homework on this podcast or anything. <laughs> but we've, we've selected a few of these questions and we're just going to kind of talk through them and think about what these questions mean for us and our student teaching and so far. So I'm going to go ahead and read this first question, which is as follows. 
consider the administrative aspects of your cooperating teacher's day-to-day -day operation. What do you see that you expected before arriving at the school? What types of activities or responsibilities do you see that were unexpected? Of the unexpected activities and responsibilities, how well do you see yourself performing these tasks in the future? Would you like to tackle a part of this question, Katie, and then I'll kind of chime in with you? Yeah, absolutely. So I think before going to my placement, I really expected the music teacher to kind of be involved in school activities like concerts or choir operations, like especially at the elementary level. Anything that's really music related, I feel like that would be more pushed onto the music teacher. Um, but I think something that's a little bit different than I expected is she actually has a lot more responsibility with events. So not necessarily like music, but like the other week she had to run the spelling bee. So it was kind of interesting to see that and see how she was responsible for that, for the microphone, setting up the sound system, um, getting everything together and that sort of thing. So, I mean, those sort of things you never really expect, but you're also put in that position expected to know what you're doing at the same time. So it was good to see, but it was also kind of nerve wracking knowing that you could be thrown into a position where um, you kind of have to wing it in a sense. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I feel like a lot of the things that we're going to be asked to do, especially in our first year of teaching, will probably be wing it type things because there's so much that we just don't have experience on yet, which sounds crazy, but it's just true. And the more I think about it and the farther I get into student teaching and realize like how much I don't know, the more it makes me nervous, right, for actually getting out there. But I want to counter that with saying that I'm super excited to tackle those challenges. And those are things that I know are going to push me to be a better person, better teacher, and better servant of the students. So I'm, I'm just so pumped about those things that are going to build us up as future educators. And I remember in our technology class, how we went over some of these things with microphones, you know, and, and soundboards and how Dr. Pendergast said, yeah, you're probably going to be asked to do some of this. And I think a lot of us looked at him like, Oh, sure. <laughs> and it's funny to hear your story of your cooperating teacher in action actually doing these things, which, you know, kind of gives us hope that, yeah, we have had a little bit of training, but also, you know, it's a scary thing for probably a lot of folks. Yeah, definitely. And I, I'd love to chime in on what I've seen on the elementary side as well, but I think I should probably give my my view as a secondary student teacher uh, going into the secondary placement, I expected, obviously, parent emails, but probably not to the extent that I see that my cooperating teacher <laughs> deals with parent emails, and for that matter, other emails. There's just so many emails, it feels like he's on his computer every single moment that he's not teaching, just answering emails, you know, it's, it's pretty crazy, but... I see a lot of his administrative tasks are also built into positions that he holds throughout either the district or the music community in Colorado Springs. So I know that he's probably the 
like the music department heads. So all of the directors in the department um, or in the district come to see him and they they talk about stuff. They have department meetings and things like that. But I also see that he's really involved in the Colorado Springs Youth Symphony and their new jazz band program. So he has a lot of involvement in those kind of administrative tasks. And it's just really interesting to see how the administrative tasks can range from emails to building programs to, you know, just being a leader in all of these different spots. And I was reflecting today on how excited I am to be a leader in some of these areas. One example I can think of is the Pikes Peak Middle School Honor Band is going through a change in leadership currently. And my cooperating teacher is on the board of you know, this honor band committee. And I see that he's part of this leadership program. And that's where I want to see myself in several years time, you know, is, is leading something that matters to the students and that creates an, a musical experience that's really helpful for them to remember. I'm just excited. I think I missed the leadership part a little bit that I had back at CSU when I was, you know, president of CNAFNI and, and all these things. Yeah, I didn't even think about that, like um, being a part of a board or being in charge of something bigger than just your school. That's exciting to hear about. Yeah, and I think it's really cool to keep in mind because even a recent graduate, her name is um, Katie Oglesby. I believe she's in her third year of teaching now. She ran for a position, I think, on the CMEA district board or something like that. And she actually won the election. So it's really, really cool to see a young teacher in on a board like that, you know, supporting small schools and rural communities and things like that. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's cool. All right. Well, that was a great conversation. Our next question that we're going to talk about is look for a pattern of less than optimal classroom behavior or management this week. What environmental or teacher-driven elements do you think may have fostered this pattern? What is an alternative proactive arrangement of the environment or approach that could result in a different pattern of classroom behavior or management? Hmm, this is a really interesting one. And I'm kind of excited to hear our perspectives from, you know, elementary to secondary, honestly. Um, I can think of one thing. There were two percussionists today and actually my co-student teacher and I were discussing this mid-class because you know, I had tried one strategy and it didn't work. But anyway, so our cooperating teacher was giving instructions on the podium and the percussionists were, you know, in the percussion section all the way on the other side of the room. And these two percussionists were just talking to each other and clicking their sticks and creating excess noise and not paying attention. So when I noticed this was happening, I decided to use proximity and move closer to them to see if, you know, just my presence would stop them from talking so much. Um, and when that didn't work after um, about a minute or so, I turned to them and I asked them, do you know what the teacher just said? And of course they responded yes and told me what the teacher said. And so I let it be, but I really should have taken a more, I think, direct and strong approach to the situation because after that, they just kept talking. Even after I gave some of them a look um, there was one student who was pulled into the conversation and I gave him a look, you know, the teacher look where it's like, mm -hmm. stop that. <laughs> I gave him the teacher look and then he stopped talking to the other kids, but the other kids were just still talking. So 
one strategy that was proximity didn't work and then actually confronting the kids didn't work as well and the teacher looked the teacher look worked on one kid but not all of the kids so i'm really just trying to kind of figure out how best to you know handle this situation I feel like it's different depending on whose classroom you're in, because if I was up at the high school, that talking would have been completely allowed. But here at the middle school, you know, the teacher really wants everyone to be very quiet and focused and things like that. And I don't think I handled it in the best way. Yeah, I can definitely see how that's a problem because you try all these things you've learned and then what happens when you run out of things? I've kind of talked to my cooperating teacher about this because um, they talk a lot about, especially at the elementary level, but you know, some things at the elementary level can definitely be applied to secondary because <laughs> some kids just, yeah. But anyways, she sort of talks about how you can turn one behavior into another. So, you know, most of the time if they're, say if they're, um, let me see like their behavior is out of control. You can turn it into something more of like, oh, they're excited, but you have to kind of, especially to keep yourself sane, you kind of have to think of it that way. Like, oh, they're coming in excited and want to talk with them to them. So they're trying to be a disruption sort of thing. So. Could you repeat what you just said? The Zoom kind of uh, skipped out on you. <laughs> yeah, so I kind of said, that you have to turn behavior into another. So if a student is being disruptive and they're acting with turn, you can think of it more as they're excited or um, they just have a lot of energy, that sort of thing. Because when students, most of the time when students go into something and they're talking with each other, um, I don't think they're most of the time trying to be a disruption. So you kind of have to turn it into they're excited and you know that's sort of difficult at the secondary level because you can't really give them something to get that excitedness away but yeah that kind of leads into what I was going to talk about too yeah absolutely yeah so about a week ago on Monday yeah it was exactly a week ago um, I finished the day every day with second graders and these second graders always come in from recess. So it's always super crazy and they're bouncing off the walls because they just went outside and played football with their friends and tackled each other. And then they come inside and they're expected to be calm and um, learn about music. And that's not something that every kid's thinking about, especially at the end of the day, let alone after recess. So these kids came in the door super crazy. And my teacher has been trying to leave the room as much as she can. Um, she watches me like a couple class periods a day just to give me some notes. But other than that, she tries to leave me by myself to see if I can handle um, the classes. So this class, I was doing instrument demonstrations for them. So I played like flute, clarinet, and then I played saxophone. And then I also played like an oboe read and a bassoon read, but um, they just would not stop talking the whole time that I was trying to show them these instruments. And it was really frustrating to me and it was like building up to me. And um, after that, we were going to play one of the Kodai games. And so I actually had to take 
the game away from them because my teacher tells me a lot, you know, you can say all you want to them, but until you actually do it, they're going to call your bluff. So yeah, I kind of had to take away their game and then see how that went. But. You know, and that's actually the solution that my co-student teacher Gabe and I came up with was um, he had mentioned that the other day when the kids had been talking out of turn and clicking their sticks and really just making a lot of noise, he had walked over them to say, do I need to take your sticks away so you can actually be quiet and pay attention? And they said no. And he was like, okay, well, I'd love to see some change in your behavior and things like that. Um, and he was expressing his frustration with our cooperating teacher. And our cooperating teacher essentially just gave him the go ahead. He was like, well, if they do that again after the warm up, just take their sticks away, do it. And mm -hmm. so now both Gabe and I have an idea of how he would like us to go about that classroom management while also a little bit more confidence and, you know, bolstering us and like saying, yes, you can actually follow through on these things and that will make more of a difference with the kids. So just like you said at the beginning, you know, this, this things that happen in elementary can definitely apply to secondary and it's important to take both into consideration and, and maybe, you know, beg, borrow and steal from each other to try to get some of these things handled. Yeah, and something I'm trying right now is, I don't know, what time of the day is this class for you? This class is at the beginning of the day, so it should be the first class that these students have. Um, sometimes it's the second, depending on if we have jazz band that morning or not. I see, okay. Yeah, um, something that I'm trying right now is trying to do just like a calming activity when the kids come in, just to kind of get them focused instead of coming in and exactly getting started right away on music. You know, a lot of kids have to process what happened even in the morning, you know, let alone like the whole day. So they just kind of have to sit there and process and get in the mindset. Yeah, I actually use that technique in my private lessons with my clarinet students. I have um, a few students who are just really sensitive to the things that are going on in their lives. And I feel like everybody is, you know, pretty sensitive to that. But sometimes it can lead to feelings of anxiety or being overwhelmed, kind of like I've experienced over the last few days. Um, and so what we've done in the past is just had a minute or even 30 seconds if we're feeling really pressed to just sit almost in a meditative state where we set a timer and we focus on the breath and just kind of recenter. And I'm curious, what kind of things do you do with your elementary kiddos that work as a recentering exercise? What kind of things have you tried? You know, today they came in and I told them all to lay down and touch nothing but carpet. So that was one thing. So they can't touch each other because they just love to touch each other. It's crazy. But they can't touch each other and they can't touch anything else in the room besides the carpet. So they have to lay down. I told them to close their eyes. I turn off the lights and then I just played calming piano music. And they were all like completely calm. And that was crazy. And, you know, like even at the secondary level, you can always just like turn off the lights, close your eyes, play something. And a, a lot of the time, my high school director did that, too, where you'd have us close our eyes and he'd be like, you know what, I'll look out for you. Nothing's going to come get you while you have your eyes closed. Just think about what happened today or what's been going on this week and kind of decompress you know, and I distinctly remember doing the exact same thing with you before a music theory final. <laughs> 
we think we pulled up this piece of music that was proven by music therapists to lower the heart rate and reduce stress. And we literally laid on the floor before this music theory final, put this piece of music on and just relaxed. I remember that. Mm -hmm. Good memory. So it not only works on elementary students or secondary students, but also collegiate students. Uh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, what a good memory. <laughs> well, are you ready for our last journal reflection question? Yes. Okay, great. Here it is. In teaching music, we hope to facilitate deeply aesthetic moments where the glory of music is experienced by each student at every age. Describe a moment this week where you experienced the power of musical connection. How did it make you feel? How did the students seem to feel? What did you do to help facilitate the experience? Any thoughts? Yeah, so this kind of made me think about something that actually happened today. Every week at my elementary school, we have an adaptive special at the end of the day on Mondays. So that means um, every student from the special needs department comes up and they come in for music at the end of the day. And it's super awesome because they get to come in with each other and not alone with their classes and you know with their um, EA teachers and that sort of thing. But they can all come together and no one judges them and they can do whatever they want. And it's super awesome. And today, you know, it's great to finally see them participate in music because I feel like most of the time they don't try to do a lot just because other kids sort of judge them for it but you know we played with a parachute with some music and we all sat around and listened to my cooperating teacher play the piano and they got to play the drums and that sort of thing and at the end of the class period um, there's a student who went up and played the piano and he got a chance to play it which he's been so excited to play it and he walked up to the piano and he started playing the chromatic scale all the way up the piano. And we were like, oh my goodness, do you know what that is? And he's like, no, I'm just pushing all the buttons. And so we had a conversation with him about what it was and that it was actually something really musical that he could do that just without knowing. And it was kind of an opportunity for me to step back and be like, wow, these kids can actually do something like that without anyone teaching them. And it was just a cool opportunity for me to see. And um, especially from one of them, of all the kids, just knowing that they have something that they can show to the world. That's amazing. And it really reminds me of all the things that Dr. Jacoby had taught us in elementary methods. And she always said, kids can do anything, mm -hmm. you know, and that's really incredible. And it's so cool that things like that can happen, such as a conversation about what a chromatic scale is can happen in a very natural and fluid way. Because if you think about a chromatic scale, it seems really difficult to explain to children. But learning through discovery like that is a really cool thing. Yeah, and he's in second grade. So wow. Really awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, I would have to say this question really brings up um, performances in my brain because the eighth grade symphonic band performed at CMEA, right? And the high school 
symphonic band performed at CMA and both of them, I think, had a deeply aesthetic moment in those moments because it was probably the largest audience that they've played in front of for, I don't know, two and a half years now, the pandemic, you know, and I imagine as a performer, you know, performing in those types of scenarios last semester in Wind Symphony, um, that really probably struck a chord with a lot of students being in a situation like that. One thing that was um, really cool for me was the high school actually performed with the famous clarinetist Mark Nuccio, who is currently the principal clarinetist in the Houston Philharmonic. Um, but anyway, the high school performed with him as a soloist, and that was a really deeply musical moment for me because it really reminded me of how much I love performing and how much I love clarinet, um, which, you know, made my discovery the next day of my moldy reads that much harder for me. Um, but it was a very deeply musical moment for me. And while I didn't necessarily contribute that much to these two performances, um, it did really provide me with a space that felt very homey and felt very where I wanted to be in that moment. And so I really appreciate both the middle school and the high school for performing there, you know, and giving that opportunity to all the attendees of their concert, just this really, really wonderful musical experience. Yeah, that is not for, or that is a really awesome opportunity for them just because I, I never really got to perform for an audience like that until I got to CSU and we did it that one time, but mm -hmm. yeah, that's super awesome. Let alone play with a clarinetist like that. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. And I felt a real connection to the piece as well, because on my senior recital, I played a piece by Scott McAllister and this was a Scott McAllister piece as well. And while it was not the same piece, it was, I could tell that there were very similar aspects, you know, same composer, um, same influences and types of things. So it really meant a lot to, to hear the work being done and to hear it being done by someone who had graduated from the high school that they were performing with and, and things like that. It was really an amazing experience for me. Mm -hmm. Did you have any sort of conversation with the students about the opportunity or, um, you know, what they could get out of the experience? You know, looking back on it, I wish I would have had more opportunity to speak to the students. It was mostly the directors who were speaking to the students. I've led a few sectionals on the on the music that they performed on, but I haven't I haven't been in front of this group at all. And the directors that are the both both the head director of the junior high and the assistant director, both the head director of the middle school and the assistant director had really spoken to them about what a big deal it was to be playing at CMEA. And they really built it up in a sense of like all these band directors are going to be looking at you and judging you. But also all these band directors want to hear this wonderful music that you're going to prepare. So there was definitely a lot of celebration. And there was a little bit of pressure on the students as well, you know, to to bring all the things they needed and to dress appropriately and and things like that. But, you know, the one of the things that I thought was so amazing was today on Monday, a lot of people had sent feedback in to the director, you know, comments of praise and things like that. And he actually had printed out <clears throat> a few emails 
and he read them to the students about, you know, compliments on their performance and things like that, which was just wonderful to hear. And I hope that the students really took that to heart. I know it, sometimes it can feel mm, less genuine when it's not being said directly to you. I feel that when it's being told to a group, like, oh, you did so well, you know, that seems pretty vague, but these comments were so specific and really written by meaningful people who are really connected and related to the program. So that's one of my hopes is that the students felt that connection, even through, you know, this type of communication. Yeah, I think that's important to remember as we go and get a job and that sort of thing to always offer those praises because you never know when you're going to touch a kid and um, have them be inspired by maybe even just a comment you made. Absolutely. And I noticed that too with, with the amount of rapport that's required to work in this position and, and be an educator, especially a music educator, someone who sees these students through years and years of their life, whether that would be at the elementary level or at the secondary level, it's, it's really quite an unusual thing that we have. Mm-hmm. Well, Katie, thank you so much for being on the eighth episode of Next Steps. I'm so excited that I get to share this experience with you and have you be on my podcast. Thank you so much for having me. You know, this was an awesome opportunity to talk about student teaching and kind of decompress and also just talk about this in order to listen back to it at a certain point and be able to hear what I had to say when I was in my student teaching. So thank you for doing this. Of course. That's one of the reasons that I started this podcast was to really record my experiences throughout all of this. And I know that even though I update every two weeks, I am getting a a little glimpse into the life of what Natalie went through in student teaching and hopefully into the first few years of my career. Well, listeners, thank you for tuning in. I'm super excited that you all are still listening with us. And I hope that you've enjoyed listening to Katie and I go through some of these journal reflections. This is actually something that I've really enjoyed, and I think I'd love to continue in the next few podcasts. If you would like to be featured on the podcast, please submit a voice message through the link in the episode description. I would honestly really love to hear your comments on our conversations, any questions you might have for us, or even prompts for what we should talk about next. It would also be wonderful if you could like, subscribe, and rate this podcast on Spotify. While I'm not necessarily trying to reach every single person out there, it would be fun to, you know, have a little bit of publicity through a few stars on our page. I am thinking about doing something special to commemorate our 10th episode, so please stay tuned to hear what that might be. I'm Natalie, this is Next Steps, and we'll see you in two weeks.